0: this is back to excitement with your host arvind and acting
1: the fool from pension plan puppets hi welcome to back to excited episode 114 my name is arvind joining me as always my colleague from PensionPlanpuppets.com. it's acting the foolman hi everybody so that was a uh, interesting set of
0: games some things happened uh before we try and apply any kind of rational analysis and you know don't know how far we're going to get with that but just take a moment and bask in what was the most absurd maple Leafs comeback i've ever seen in a significant game uh that was crazy and yeah no uh, they they were dead in the water right yeah We, we we spent most
1: of the game discussing okay how are we going to talk about this team what does this mean for the team going forward because through 57 minutes of the game we didn't look like we were there right and no not at all it was an even game <coughs> excuse me it was an even game in the sense of chances but when Columbus goes ahead super early and then kind of sits back you know and you're not really generating a lot of great offense you know we had a couple chances on the power play or whatever but you know it, it's really demoralizing and I think from what I was seeing on Twitter and from how other people on PPP were reacting including the masthead I don't think we were alone in thinking okay this team is dead
0: If you thought this team wasn't dead, you are an insane optimist. You are honestly a marvel to me in terms of your psychology after what had happened in the previous couple of nights. Uh, My actual quote as we planned this last night sometime in the second intermission was this pod is going to be a funeral. And it's not because the least live to fight another day with, again, just an absolutely obscene Late-stage comeback with 3-6 uh, on 5 goals, followed by Austin Matthews. Pause for emphasis, Jim Houston Scoring the p- power play overtime winner. Yeah, um, and
1: I'm, before we go any further, we should mm-hmm. mention that, like, regardless of what happens in Game 5, and trust me, we'll be pissed if we lose Game 5, but regardless of what happens in Game 5, you have to give the Leafs credit for that comeback. Um, yeah. Right? They, they looked like they were out of it for as I said 57 minutes and they managed to pull a rabbit out of a hat and yeah that that takes that takes guts and you know a lot of there's a lot of talk about the Leafs not looking like they cared or not looking like they wanted it and to me that's not really ever been my concern with Mm -hmm. this team I, I I tend to think that you don't get to the top of a very competitive profession without wanting it to a high degree But um, hopefully, you know, this quiets those ideas for at least a little bit. I I don't think the Leafs are fatally flawed in that they don't want it. I think they're flawed in that they're just not a very good hockey team.
0: Yeah, I I mean, there are two ways to come at this. The optimistic way is to say, one, they showed some mental resilience in terms of not rolling over and playing dead in a way that, you know, you thought they might have after the ghastly implosion in Game 3, and a pretty listless performance for a lot of Game 4. The other optimistic strand is you say, okay, flawed though this team is, what we're paying for is guys who have the ability to generate offense in bunches at the drop of a hat. And at the very last second, they did do that. You know, the fact that we got three goals, six on five with all of our star players, plus Zach Hyman, who's a star player in my heart, uh, on the ice together. That's some of what you're paying for, albeit in the most extreme, kind of mutated form. You know, it's not a glitch or a fluke entirely. It's a feature of this lineup that we all agree has issues. The problem is, one, they kind of turtled and imploded at the end of Game 3 for the third period. Like, they just got the play taken to them, and I know score effects are a thing, but it was to a pretty extreme degree, and they crumpled.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was like a 10-minute stretch where the Leafs really didn't play well, and Columbus took full advantage of that. You know, you look at the game as a whole, the Leafs probably did better than Columbus, but they left the door open, mm-hmm. right? And that's hockey, right? You, If you leave the door open, sometimes someone's going to sneak through. Yes. Um, you, there, there's not a lot of margin for error. Right? Um, because hockey is so random, right? Like it, to guarantee a win, you have to be really, really dominant. Um, mm-hmm. And e- even the most dominant game of the series in either direction, which was game two, the Leafs didn't guarantee themselves a win. That's a very, very high bar. But um, yeah, obviously that the three-0 collapse that preceded game four was uh, not a shining moment either.
0: Right. And so. I mean, the problem that we have here is that we know on some sort of rational level that this is a best-of-five series. Literally any result can happen and be well within the normal range of outcomes because hockey's a crapshoot. It just is. But at the same time, the playoffs are kind of how we've decided to measure success in this sport, and we're all invested in it. We're all on board. And so if the team goes out there and routinely you know, falls apart in big moments. It's very tempting to read in, you know, inadequacy in terms of the ability to be resilient or what have you. And so, again, if you want to take the best positive from last night, it's that the Leafs, once they got a goal especially, showed a certain level of resilience. You know, they hung in there. And that's great. But we're going punch for punch with Columbus here. And not to ruin the party or anything, but it's Columbus. And the fact that we've been about even with them through four games is not super encouraging.
1: I'd say we've been a little sense. bit better than even. Than Maybe. Them. Like, I-, I would say the c- the games that Columbus has kind of and they-, they turn into those quagwires, right? Yeah. Um, But... It's really game two and game three were the games where I felt the Leafs really dominated the flow of the game. Game two they they kind of held on wire to wire. Game three, a lapse, a lapse over you know what's a relatively small portion of the game ends up really hurting them. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing that that lapse can't happen, right? Like you you know if you want to be a great team, you have to take care of those games.
0: Yeah, and you know. By and large, we still don't have a ton of confidence in the Leafs to do that. Um, again, you know, it's more fun than this pod would have been because they're still in it and they won. And they flashed some of that expensive offense and it's great. And it's really genuinely encouraging to see that. And I don't want to harsh anyone's mellow by pointing that out. It's just at the same time, like, if we're doing an honest appraisal of that game, The first 55 minutes still sort of matter, and once Columbus got up, they had a great capacity to kind of sit back, take very few chances, collapse to the crease, and just hang on, and they damn near got away with it. They were a very lucky bounce on a Pierre-Luc Dubois empty netter attempt, from this all being over and we having to deal with all the questions about whether it's time to trade Mitch Marner or whatever.
1: And, you know, to be clear, that still may happen in two days. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, this is a reprieve, and we don't know if it's just a delay between the Leafs and their eventual fate for a weekend, or if this could potentially be a turning point. And to be clear, the Game 5 is a coin flip. Like, it's closer to 50-50 than it is to, like, any other round number. That's for sure. So, who knows how this is going to end. To the extent that,
1: you know, if anyone believes momentum is a thing, you'd hope the Leafs have a lot of it now, right?
0: (laughs) You'd think so. And I have to say, in fairness, if you want to believe in momentum, this series is really going to encourage you. Because, uh, I think it was Aaron Portsline who pointed this out, but... The goal flow was, in the whole series, Columbus-Columbus, Toronto six times, uh, Columbus seven times, and then Toronto four times. So the goals kind of came in waves and bunches and surges. And that's interesting. That may just still be mostly random variants. That's probably what it is. You know, people underestimate just how often there are going to be runs in these things. But watching the games, it's hard not to see like a goal goes to your legs to some extent. Like when you believe that you can score and the other team believes that you can score on them. uh, That changes the complexion of the game a little bit. And I don't think it's entirely reading in the Leafs fan instinct of, oh, here we go again as soon as they give up a goal. To note that teams press a little bit once they get that first one. And I think we've seen that run both ways. Um, Certainly there's nothing unbeatable about the Columbus Blue Jackets, rain or shine. Right. This series is not foreordained or out of reach or anything like that. And certainly that last minute surge and comeback should have put an exclamation point on that. But there's a tendency in hockey analysis to act like whatever the outcome is was a given. And like this was the only way it could have gone this series could have gone any number of ways and it still could. So, yeah. I mean, take of that what you will. The Leafs are, again, in a dogfight with Columbus. So, you know.
1: And I don't know, I wonder to some extent if we're just maybe being a bit too harsh.
0: Maybe. I can't imagine that anyone is going to like that first 10 minutes where we really, after what was straight up a euphoric comeback, like a truly brilliant sports moment, Um, you know, we're kind of coming in saying, hey, a lot of these problems are still here. And I think that part of that is just that we know Game 5 is coming down the pike in uh, less than 36 hours from the time of recording this. And so it'll either be a fun historical footnote that kind of gets lost in the ether, or maybe it becomes a turning point for this team and the narrative. And they... Do the Prince Hal thing and be more themselves than they have been heretofore. I don't know. But yeah, I, I mean, again, I don't want to go out of whack with it either because I, the Leafs, first and foremost, are paying for star offense. And when the chips were down, they got star offense. And so that feeling that we paid for basically spoiled goods, um, that can be mitigated a bit, but there are still questions about this team for sure, and we'll hear a lot of them if they lose on Sunday. Right. I mean, to some extent, this this was a little
1: bit comparable. I mean, it was a crazier comeback, but um, the immediate least parallel was the um, don't tell me about Hart game in the uh, against the Hurricanes in the 2001 conference finals, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where we had a, a another late frenzied comeback with a, a goal capped by Sundin, our, our star, our talisman, to send it to overtime. I, I believe the Leafs lost that game in overtime. Um, but that moment endured to some extent because, one, it was an incredibly memorable call by, by Joe Bowen. But for another, you know, this was a team that had actually made it pretty far, right? So th- the moment last night was obviously incredible, right? But it's also an elimination game in round zero.
0: Yeah. Right? And you, 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 to be
1: clear... You take a you step know, back pe- and it, it's, mm-hmm. like, ultimately not that consequential. Which is a very, I guess, depressing way to view sports. And I wouldn't recommend yeah. it. Like, it's, your life is much happier if you just enjoy last night and don't think about what it means, what the issues still are. Like, you know, it was a crazy leaf win. We should enjoy that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just because we can be sort of stick in the muds and or we had the the hangover moroseness from the loss of game three in the first, again, 55 minutes of game four. Uh, that That doesn't take away from that. And I do think that this, you know, there's some talk about like, are these really the playoffs and stuff like that? Well, in one sense, no, but you're playing elimination games and they are heated. And I don't think Columbus is a total joke. And also given that Montreal and Chicago and Arizona have all won their qualifying rounds. That should be good evidence that in hockey, once you get to these small sample elimination games, shit can get wild. And so if the Leafs do pull this out, I think that counts as their first playoff series win of the modern era. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's good. Um, You know, it's been a disheartening series in some ways, followed by these wonderful surges. Columbus is a bad match for us. I think there's no denying. There are teams that, even if they are better and maybe in, maybe harder to beat in some ways, uh, the Leafs would settle more naturally into a series, even against Tampa, who's a much better team, and the Leafs would have a worse chance against them. But this has been running uphill for the team, and so, to some extent, it's good that they've been able to run uphill. It's just hard not to also weigh it all in the balance where you say okay but columbus is a team with few legitimate stars and maybe only one or two at forward and that is really kind of uh kind of damaged in terms of personnel losses in the past year and they're still going hit for hit with the leaves or close to it
1: right and actually even in this game ryan murray didn't play and i didn't see any reason why i must
0: be must be some sort of injury um, I think, um, was there something about residual back soreness? Because I know that that's been an issue that he struggled with in his career. But I could be possible. wrong. And
1: then Zach Werenski didn't play the last 10 minutes of uh, the third period and then overtime as well. Mm-hmm. If those guys are missing in game five, that is a huge benefit to the Leafs.
0: Yeah, who are already down Jake Muzzin. You know, it was kind of incredible to be starting a playoffs with. Not quite healthy rosters, because we were down Andreas Janssen, the Jackets were down Josh Anderson, but pretty close. Because by playoff time, normally, you have lots of residual injuries, and even many of the players who are playing are suffering from nagging soreness, or something that kind of limits their effectiveness a little bit. Um, If you want a bright side here, I would say Morgan Riley, worse than all, I think has generally been quite good in this series. And he also looks like himself. Much of this year, he was clearly dealing with some kind of nagging injury. And his athleticism, which is the cornerstone of his game, is back. So that's been very encouraging to me to see.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I, we should also talk, really, about Austin Matthews, who has been, as he's been through most of the, the, the season, the least best forward and their best player overall.
0: Yeah, I won't say that there haven't been plays that have frustrated me. Yeah, very much um, so, and certain
1: especially on kind of the game management side. I think in Game Three, there were, there were a couple plays where uh, he, there was one that sticks out in particular, where he basically got gets mugged at his own blue line, trying to exit the zone with the puck. Uh, yeah, by is, uh,
0: Boone Jenner, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and I forget if that was at three one or three two, but it, it was just like, oh man, not now, please.
0: Yeah, there are. Um, I mean, I don't want to call them plays of arrogance, but there are definitely plays that you make when you are exceptionally confident in your own ability to carry the puck, that you don't have to ever rush a pass or anything like that. And sometimes that confidence is outstanding, and it empowers him to make those really patient, great plays that he can make. And sometimes you're like, dude, you gotta tone it up a little bit. But all of that said, Matthews has been a franchise player this series. And if you want to complain about the big four, I think you probably complained about him the least. Even aside from his offensive contributions where he exploded last night when we needed him most, which is great. Um, you know, if you want to look on the sunny side, if this leads to something, if the Leafs get out of this qualifying round and then make some noise in the next one, Matthews starts to sound more like a big game player in the narratives, which I think he always had it in him to be, but it would be nice not to have to hear otherwise, frankly, (laughs) for a summer. So, yeah, I I think that he's um, really coming into his own and at at his best, he can be a top five player in the world, which is terrific.
1: Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And the other members of the big four, I mean, I think have been less spectacular. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think Nylander and Marner have been okay not markedly better or worse than they should be, but you know you do want them to stand up and stand out more when it comes to these critical moments because the Leafs are a team that's built on the contributions of their star players more than anything, right? The depth is mm-hmm. fine and good. Even the fourth line had another good game. I think Martin Morinson has been about as good as anyone could possibly have expected Martin Morinson to be. But at the end of the yeah, at the end of the he day, remains Martin Marinsen. Yeah. <laughs> we we live or die with those four forwards and Morgan Riley, mm-hmm. right? So it was, it was it was fitting that you know that's where all the goals came from. But um, yeah, we're gonna need them again in Game Five and, and beyond if we make it that far.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think John Tavares has generally been quite good, and I have to admit, at points it was pretty pretty frustrating to see him kind of struggling against the green himself but he had a terrific game in game two he was often trying to make some offense himself throughout subsequent games i obviously i think we all have a bit of a sentimental uh attachment to john Tavares because he's the star that came home after a million stars did not and were rumored to come to toronto and of course never seriously considered it because the team was a pile of trash And Tavares did, and he's the captain. And even though he's, you know, low-key, not emotive, nothing like that, uh, his commitment to this team and to this game is undeniable. And so, of all the things that I'm happy about for the Leafs storming back, I'm really happy that John Tavares gets another chance. Him and Jason Spezza were kind of like the big vets that I was into. Also... If you don't love Jason Spezza, I don't know what's wrong with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spezza's uh, been, you know, a very, uh, I guess, comforting presence um, through a, what's been often a very frustrating season.
0: Yeah. I'm not, like, a huge fights guy at this point in my life. And, you know, I don't know if I... I wouldn't read too much into the emotional impact because Spezza got into a fight and then the surge came much later on. But he did it. And, you know, he he clearly wants this. This is important to him beyond all measure. And he's done everything asked of him without an ego, you know, even though he used to be a very good star number one center in the NHL. And now he's a fourth line right wing and he's given it his all in that role. And it's very hard not to. uh, To really appreciate everything that he brought to the table. Um, last night, and in general, in this series, as part of what's become a pretty good fourth line, since Spear Engball got back on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, the fight was objectively stupid because he took a penalty.
0: Yeah, but he took the penalty before the fight. It was kind of an in for a penny, in for a pound thing.
1: Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's true. But yeah, it's I mean, certainly, you know, the lizard brain part of me as a fan appreciates it, and and on a team that, when they're bad, often feels like they are physically disengaged and not present Um, I think that sort of stuff goes a long way especially for a fan base that still really lionizes that sort of behavior
0: yeah I mean you know it's a physical sport there's a lot of intense emotionality and I guess a team like Columbus who are really physical and if you have the sense that you're losing and being pushed around I think that some part of you is going to want somebody to punch back and i think that that's just kind of natural to a lot of people it's easy to be content with we're gonna win on skill as long as you do win on skill when you feel like the other guys are taking liberties or running interference and stuff like that and to be clear i don't think columbus has been notably dirty or anything like that
1: yeah i think they're they're Um, they're run-of-the-mill dirty right the same way every every playoff team is uh is dirty i don't think it's this isn't it isn't anywhere near what boston did last year
0: no, I really, like, I don't like complaining about the refs because everyone wants to do it, and it's a natural impulse. The only real time I thought the refs honestly badly botched the game in a way that hurt the Leafs was Game 2 2019 against Boston. That was the game where Kadri kind of flipped and got himself suspended. I think that that was at least partly a product of hideous game management. Yeah, and I and mean... this series, you know... I, sorry, there's, go ahead. there's
1: been missed calls, but... Mm -hmm. I don't think that's least specific. That's just NHL refs tend not to call everything. They call pretty loose games, especially in the playoffs, right? Yeah, uh,
0: especially though, I mean, recently, at the start of this series, I was surprised a little bit by the frequency of calls. Maybe it was a tone setting kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but yeah. And so this is not to say that I haven't been pissed at times, but I don't think that this series has hinged on refereeing. And I also think that, Columbus is going to be very furious that they got called for a penalty in overtime. And the response is the same as the response that I had to the Leafs in Game 3. It's like, when you blow a 3 nothing lead, it's very probably not the referee's fault. It's probably on you, to some extent. Also, that
1: was a stonewall penalty. Felino put his stick under Riley's skate. Oh yeah,
0: no... Fuck dig-
1: Fulino, fuck man. I'm not in the mood for that shit. Well,
0: it's like... It's like it.
1: That's the definition of tripping. If your stick was not there, Riley would have stayed on the ice.
0: Yeah. I don't be- know what you expected to happen. And he was like, oh, Riley, like, stepped on it or something or deliberately tripped. I saw people saying, are you high? And then people are like, like oh, Rock- Riley's
1: milking it. Well, he just fucking ran into the board's feet first at 25 miles an hour. Give the guy a second.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't know. No. To be clear... I don't think that Columbus is, like, you know, dirty beyond the normal level of physical playoff hockey. I don't think the refs have decided the series. That said, I also think anyone complaining about that call can eat shit. So, that's my opinion on it. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, Yeah, anyway, but, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's good. It's good to be back in the series. I... I will say I think the Leafs are like a narrow favorite tomorrow as much because of the last change as anything. I don't want to read too much into the first goals, and it's especially ironic because we've, we're have we coming off two games where the team that scored the first three goals went on to lose. But I do think that Columbus is able to collapse its game plan when it gets up a goal in a way where they, they almost stop trying to be the first mover offensively at all. And they'll wait for you to come at them to give it away or to uh, make a bad shot or something like that or just give up, you know, a weak rebound and then they'll counter at you. And the game just looks qualitatively different when they can sit on a lead. I don't wanna, you know, we've talked in the past about the first goal being so important in every single game. And of course it is, because every team has a much better chance of winning when they score first. Because a goal is like a long stretch of the way towards winning the hockey game. But I do think that it changes things in this series particularly, just because of how defensive Columbus can be. So
1: Yeah. So, um, I mean... It's a- predicting these games is impossible i think i think my prediction before the series was was leafs and five as like the most likely outcome so i yeah. might i might be right but who who knows it's it's such a crap <laughs> the road shared.
0: here has been a little crazy
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's been a and um, again I, I we we should give the least credit you know it was, it was a night when the penguins lost the wild lost and the oilers lost Right, Penguins yeah. and Oilers—they were five seeds going up against twelve seed, worse teams than the Leafs are going up against. You know, certainly by record, I think Montreal is, is, was a very dangerous sort of twelve seed in a sense um, because mm-hmm. they are a legitimately good five-on-five five team that is just really, really bad on the power play and struggle through some bad goaltending. Although they have a goaltender who obviously has a lot of talent,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So they—they are always, yeah. you know. Not to excuse Pittsburgh, right? We, we made fun of the fact that, oh, Pittsburgh, everyone's scared of Carey Price, who hasn't been a great goaltender in four years. Um, well. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, he, was, he was great for, for four games, right? And uh, and Montreal did good enough at five on five, right? So, yeah. you, know, you got to give the Leafs credit for that, right? Uh, certainly, you know, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl are the two highest-scoring players in the league. They're, they got bounced around zero.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and, and now If if, if mean, we
1: win Game 5, we, trust me, we will have a segment where we can laugh at that We're, we're just holding it off for now Because <laughs> we don't want it to look dumb
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's been crazy This just shows you what a best of 5 series really is Because anyone can beat anybody um, Although, I have to admit The idea of Nashville as any kind of even fringe contender Seems silly I probably, like, I, I was aware they were declining. And I, I didn't think that they were, like, a serious threat in the West or anything. But I thought that they would, like, handily at least outplay Arizona. And they didn't. So, uh, that's not very good. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah, but it's, it's crazy that, um, you know, the Leafs are staring down an elimination game. Uh, we'll winner-take-all game on Sunday, and they'll be pretty much it. Like, the other games that are going on are just uh, round robins for the top seeds to arrange themselves. So Yeah,
1: and uh, the yeah. Leafs will be playing the loser of Tampa Bay and Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, I would like to resolutely not look ahead to that series. Until yeah,
1: sorry, I should say the Leafs will be otherwise. playing, the winner of the Leafs Blue Jackets series will be playing the loser of that game.
0: Yeah, all my superstition has come back after that insane couple of games
1: that we just had to It was watch. so... Du- and the thing, this was, the, this was actually our, our reaction. It's like, this team is so stupid.
0: Yeah, like, what are you doing, guys? Come on. <laughs> it was fucking absurd. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot more fun, uh, I have to say, to come back from three goals down than the other way around where you blow it. I kind of get why this is so much fun now. I like this a lot better. Um. Also, you know, like the, the most like pure leaf sprained part of me wants to be like, "Oh, hey! It turns out we're not the only team that can blow leads, huh? Isn't that funny?" F y'all. But to be clear, Toronto needs to take care of business. Right? They, like I, I, you know, if
1: we if we lose Game Five, and especially if we lose in a in a you know listless way, where again Columbus drags us into their quagmire. Um, you know, this is, this is this comeback's going to be a, a footnote. Mm-hmm. right. And, and-, and we'll
0: have to confront all of those questions that we were wondering about who do we trade and what do we do and can this team even actually win? Mm-hmm. And to some extent, those are still with us regardless, but this is a reprieve from those questions. And if the Leafs can stretch it into something more, it might even answer them.
1: Yeah, so I much. guess we'll see. <laughs> um, okay, so I think... that Does that mostly do it for what we want to talk about with the games? Yes. Okay, uh, so, yeah, I think so we do have a bad take of the week, which is Jim Hewson's horrific call on the overtime. Oh
0: <laughs> my god!
1: Jesus Christ. I, I just want to really elucidate the ways in which this does not make any sense. Please do. Okay, so... Um, just to recap and I'm sure everyone here watched it but just you know uh, to refresh everyone's memory it's a power play Uh, the Leafs uh, get the draw there's a bit of a scramble Columbus presses Um, uh, I think Riley passes it to Marner who floats a little backhand pass to Tavares who is in the slot and at this point Columbus is all out of position because they are pressing the puck Tavares has a beautiful saucer pass to um, the guy who's normally on the right side of the Leafs power play who's Austin Matthews you know big guy 34 good shot um, and he wires it. That's the goal. The call to that was, Scores! Kasperi Kapanen. Um, who <laughs> was not on the ice, is not on the first unit power play, and is a right-handed shot. So, like, there, there's a lot of layers in which this was stupid. And, and what clearly happened is that Houston saw the four on Matthew's jersey, the, the four and 34, and... Um, immediately thought 24, which is Kapanen's number. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, is understandable, except for the fact that Matthews is taller, bigger, left handed, and again, on the first unit power play, which Kasperi Kapanen is not.
0: Yeah, and not that Kapanen can't, you know, rifle a one timer. He absolutely can. But, like, that was an Austin Matthews goal par excellence. Your first
1: thought should be Austin Matthews. Well, and it's also like Riley, Marner, Tavares Kaepernick?
0: <laughs> one of these things is not like the others.
1: Yeah, so it was just an absolutely brutal coin. I mean, look, for all like I dislike Houston, he is a professional. He he prob- he realized it probably halfway through saying Kasperi.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Craig Simpson pointed it out to him very quickly. It was just like Noah's Matthews. And yeah, he he cleaned it up and it,
1: it, that's probably one of those moments where, you know, like when you're just sitting in bed, sometimes you think of like You just randomly think of something embarrassing you did, you know, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. This is going to be that thing for Jim
0: Houston. Yeah, that that was a bad, bad miss. I I have to say, and I know that this is a little heretical in Leafsdom, and it's going to sound stupid now. I've never disliked Houston, especially. I don't think that he's especially passionate, and I get that. You know, people want someone who brings more fire to the role. And Bob Cole is always going to be you know, like childhood hero in terms of what an announcer for a playoff game is supposed to sound like for me. And Houston can't do that. But mostly I think he's fine. You know, he's definitely not a Leafs homer by any means. And like, I don't necessarily mind that, frankly. I don't need them to, you know, go rah-rah cheerleader all the time. But the main defense of him as a commentator is competence, Is that he's got to get the names right and follow the play. And if you do that, all the other stuff to me is a nice bonus, but it's not the core issue. When you have the biggest Leafs playoff or playoff adjacent goal that they've had in years, seriously, um, you got to try to get it right, man. That's pretty significant. This was like the, you know, it's the playoffs for the players. It's the playoffs for the announcers, too. And this was the equivalent of bobbling it into your own neck. So, I don't know what else to say beyond, that was awful. I don't, I feel almost a little bad for Jim Houston, because he has to know that that sucked. Well,
1: the thing is, this (laughs) isn't the first time he's botched a Leafs overtime goal. No! Right, the... Which is sad. Yeah, the Kasperi Kapanen goal in Game 2 of the 2017 playoffs against Washington, um, where he said. Uh, more Boyle, Brian Boyle was behind the net, passed the puck out to Kapanen, who who scored. And on that play, John Carlson lost his stick, which, you know, mattered. But it mm-hmm. was not the central part of the puck going into the net, which, you know, again, <laughs> was more to the pass and the finish. Um, yeah. But the, the call was something like, Boyle, Kapanen scores! The defender lost his stick!
0: Yeah, it was a bit <laughs> like if you tried to, like... Recap the main plot point of The Empire Strikes Back, or something, and it's just sort of like, oh, and then they, you know, flew into a worm. It's like, no, there was some stuff about Luke, I am your father, and shit in there. You gotta prioritize here. The first call. Yeah, so
1: it's that. That was that was a really horrific call. I think that kind of soured, um, (laughs) soured these fans on on Houston to start. Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean that was bad. This was this was worse. This was worse. This is a bad miss, man, and. I feel a little bad because on the one hand, I could see how it could happen. You know, you have to go by the numbers. You have to do this quickly, but that's your job. And as we've mentioned, this whole situation was set up to make it really obvious that it's Austin Matthews coming in there. Like, it's not like this was, you know, the result of a partial change on the fly and there had been a lot of rush back and forth. This was within 10 seconds of a set draw on a power play. And you've been calling the first Leafs power play unit for a while come on buddy yeah anyway yeah that's about it
1: yeah it's not 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 good at all um no <laughs> hopefully <laughs> hopefully he has a better game on uh, Sunday hopefully the Leafs do too
0: yeah I would just like you know what I enjoyed was the second half of game two where the Leafs you know started winning and just kept doing it and then that was just it I'd I'd enjoy that again. I don't feel like I get enough of that in my life where the Leafs just play better and then just keep doing it. You know, if I were the Leafs, I I would simply
1: outscore the opposition comfortably.
0: I don't know why they haven't tried that anyway, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, God help us. We're still on the roller coaster again, uh, for at least another day. So that's better than being off at board. So,
1: (laughs) yep, pretty much. So, uh, we'll, we'll have a podcast, uh, I guess probably Monday evening uh, mm-hmm. to discuss what happens in, in Game 5 and, and preview whatever comes next for the Leafs. You know, whatever that may be. Um, so, thank you all for listening. You can find all of our work at pensionandpuppets.com and also on Twitter at RB A. T. Uh We'll see you after Game 5.